You're listening to the Class Act Podcast, motherfucker. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Class Act Podcast. I am yours truly, Barry McCockiner. And, uh, wow, there is a lot to touch upon, no offense to Jerry Sandusky, that uh, has happened since the last podcast episode a few weeks back. Uh, Let's just get it right out of the way. The big story in the sports world over the last few weeks is that Andrew Luck has retired just before turning 30 years old. And everybody had their takes about it. For the most part, from what I saw, uh, a lot of people were pretty supportive of Andrew walking away and preserving his body, considering that you look at some of the injuries that he played through over his six years in Indy uh, are no joke. So, uh, And then there was also you know, the boomers and, and the other crowd that also said, you know, he should have kept playing, and you know, he had to suck it up, and uh, you know, my my, you know, my cousin and my my father, my mother was a firefighter, and they don't get paid nearly as much. And, you know, all, all the boomer takes that are that are unironically hilarious, uh, like Dan Dockich. But uh, for me personally, I believe that uh, Andrew obviously had the right to do what he wanted as a sports fan. I am I am disappointed and pissed off because I loved watching Andrew Luck play. He was an exciting quarterback to watch. He took a lot of chances with the ball, uh, but he was incredibly talented. And you know, it, it it really sucks because it seems like the Colts were just starting to build, give him a supporting cast when he first got there. Really, for the vast majority of his career, he played behind horrible offensive lines. He had Really, little to no rushing support. When it came to wide receivers, he had T.Y. Hilton and really not much else. Uh, His defenses have always been really, really bad. So now that they finally got a new coach in there, they started to build an offensive line for him. The fact that he's walking away now uh, as a sports fan is is disappointing because, you know, you, you kind of wanted to see what Andrew Luck would look like at his full potential. And... You know, it felt like as sports fans, we were robbed of that because he decided to walk away early. Um, and there was also, you know, the controversy about Colts fans booing him off the field. Uh, th- that entire thing was a shit show because here you are, you have a guy standing on the sideline, and, you know, word leaks out before it's supposed to that he's retiring. And right there in front of all these rabid fans, all these dedicated, loyal fans, these they, they see that their superstar quarterback has decided to call it quits at, at 29 years old. I mean, he's, ver- he's basically going to be 30 in a few days. So basically at 30 years old, entering his prime, he called it quits. I know if that was my team and I had a superstar quarterback who decided to walk away, I know in the heat of the moment, I would be pissed. And people in the heat of the moment do stupid things. And I think... And I'd like to think, at least, that those Colts fans who booed him in the heat of the moment, uh, while it's something that I wouldn't have done, it's something that in the heat of the moment is understandable because people do stupid shit in the heat of the moment sometimes. Uh, the, the ramifications, really, for... Well, let me before I get into what it means on the field, personally, like, Andrew Luck seems like the nicest guy in the world. So I don't understand how there can be any sort of personal animosity for him because the guy took a fucking pounding you know no homo but 
He took a he took a pounding over the years, and his body's been through a lot. Um, and it's really interesting for me because Andrew Luck is really like the first superstar quarterback or superstar athlete whose entire career I was able to watch in in full time, like in real time. You know, like I I got to see Peyton in his prime, but I wasn't there for the full experience. I wasn't there for the 98 draft. I wasn't there. You know, I wasn't able to remember all that shit. I was there to see Peyton's prime and his end, but I wasn't able to see his career from start to finish. Uh, and other superstar quarterbacks like Breeze, and maybe, you know, like Breeze is another one like Peyton who started early. And then you got Aaron Rodgers who still is, is playing. So when he retires, that'll be another one. But, like, it, it's kind of – it almost – takes you back to your own mortality like holy crap like this is a guy like I remember when he was coming out of Stanford I remember all the hype that he had coming out of Stanford and how he was supposed to be you know the next Peyton Manning or the next John Elway and he was supposed to you know win multiple MVPs and he was supposed to do all this and I, I was there I remember it and it's one of those things that you're like damn time is really flying by now this guy's decided to call it quits and um and the thing about luck is that you know his stats. I mean, he, he had a he had he had three really he had three great seasons. He had 2014, 2016, and 2018. Or really, the, his three great seasons. But overall, his career stats for his era aren't anything that jump out at you. And I feel like as the years go on, I feel like when people look kind of like the way that people look back at John Elway now. Like if you talk to old heads, they absolutely swear. By John Elway, even though his stats really for the first decade of his career weren't weren't good, even for his era, but they absolutely swear by him. And I think that's what's what it's going to be like for this generation now in the future when when future generations bring up Andrew Luck, like oh well he didn't win any MVPs, he was you know he, his you know, look at his era adjusted stats, but you know Luck was always better through the film and the eye test than he was. On you know in the stat sheet, and it's not like his stats were horrible. It's just that you know uh, he era adjusted like his era adjusted passer rating and all that shit. Like that's nothing that's gonna jump off the page at you when you look at it. But he still he was a great quarterback, and it really is a shame that uh, for NFL fans and you know like me who love watching great quarterback play from 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 QBs that wear number twelve. Really, there's just Aaron Rodgers left. And, uh, you know, Andrew Luck decided to walk away. So, really, besides Aaron Rodgers, there's no impressive quarterbacks right now who wear number 12. Obviously, I'm just kidding. Colt McCoy is still in the league. Take a breather, folks. All right, but now, now you know, not only is Andrew Luck's decision... I mean, there, there's so many ramifications because an AFC contender basically just collapsed overnight. I mean, going from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett, not to be racist, uh, is a downgrade. And, like, you know, here you are, the Colts, like I mentioned earlier. They were finally building something. They were finally, it seemed like they finally had a competent front office. And now that Luck has walked away, uh, the Colts basically, they go from being a potential AFC winner to not even being able to win the AFC South. You know, the the ramifications of Luck retiring uh, are just obviously astounding. Um, And that, but... And for me, that makes it, uh, I think, proper for me to try and give because the NFL season is going to start. It, it officially starts on Thursday night, but you know the week one, the real week one, starts uh, 
uh, seven days from now. Uh, so it, before the kickoff, I thought, well, you know what? Everybody else is doing it, so I might as well give my NFL preview. And for this, I'm going to go team by team, and I'm going to give a little bit of a blurb for what I think. I'm going to give their record. It's not going to be you – know, I can't go into detail for all 32 teams or else you know the podcast would be – 15 hour long so i can't do that but i'll give a little blurb i'll go division by division and uh, i'll start out with the afc ass i mean the afc east uh i mean this is pretty much like a broken record for the last what 20 years we all know the patriots are going to win especially this year because really the dolphins are tanking uh the dolphins are tanking the bills and jets have young, unproven quarterbacks, and that's putting it that's putting it uh, very uh, nicely. Uh, but I'll start with the Patriots. I think the Patriots this year they have uh, Brady and Belichick back. Obviously, they have uh, you know they're they're contenders every single year in large part because their division is such dog shit. And I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what Patriots fans say. The AFC East sucks, donkey dick, and it, it will again this year. So I will be stunned if the Patriots win. Any less than 13 games. I'm going to go... I'm going to say the Patriots... I'm going to be conservative on this. I'm going to say they go 13-3. and three. Uh, And it's simple because they have the most experience. They have, they have Belichick. And because the rest of the division sucks. So they should go 13-3. and three, uh, And they're obviously going to win the AFC East. Uh, I think for... Let's go... I'm going by the standings of last year. The finishes for last year. And the Dolphins finished second last year. I think, as I alluded to earlier, the Dolphins this year are tanking heavily. Josh Rosen, they acquired Josh Rosen from the Cardinals. Uh, and uh, it, by all accounts, it seems like he outplayed Ryan Fitzpatrick in the preseason. You go and you watch the preseason, it seemed like he'd outplayed him. You know, the, the Dolphins gave up a draft pick for him. They brought him there. And yet they fucking start Ryan Fitzpatrick. What? And then they trade... No, so then... Fitzpatrick is like, you know, cockroach. When the nuclear war comes, he's still going to be waiting to go to training camp. He is going to be, whoever the quarterback is for the Dolphins, is going to be protected by an absolute shit offensive line, especially now that the Dolphins have traded away, really, their best lineman, Laramie Tunsell, to the Texans. So I'll be stunned if the Dolphins win more than five games. I'll say Dolphins go 5-11. and 11. Uh, Let's go to... Uh, the team that finished third last year go to the Bills. The Bills finished third in the AFC East last year with a six and ten record. I like watching Josh Allen play. The, really, the Bills. The thing that comes down to the the Bills is how much better does Josh Allen get? Um, and you know, Josh Allen's issue, really his entire career in football, has been accuracy and. Uh, he, he's a great athlete, has a big arm, everybody knows all the stories, all the superlatives about him, but uh, I, I I think uh, he might improve, but I'd be stunned if the Bills win more than seven games. I'm going to say the Bills go seven and nine this year. I just have, I'm always very skeptical of quarterbacks with accuracy issues fixing their accuracy issues, and I think Josh Allen falls into that category of a guy that, kind of like a Jake Locker, a guy that you can't really fix his accuracy issues with. Uh, so I say the Bills finish seven and nine, and that leaves obviously the Jets, who finished last year at four and twelve. Uh, I have more faith in again the Jets are similar to the Bills in how good they are. Really depends on how good their quarterback, their young quarterback, develops. 
And uh, I have more faith in Sam Darnold developing into a good quarterback than I do Josh Allen. Um, but still, the weapons, and I know they added Le'Veon Bell, so that might help. Um, but, I mean, it's the Jets. The Jets are a fucking horrible organization. They've always been a joke of, a hor- of an organization outside of a few seasons. Uh, and whatever, you know, the Jets have horrible karma, so whatever can go wrong will go wrong. And I think, like... I'm going to say they go 6-10. and 10. So I'm going to say they improve a few wins from last year, but they're still not anything to be afraid of. So when you look back at it, I think the Patriots are going to go 13-3. and three. I think the Bills will go 7-9. and nine. I say the Jets go 6-10. and 10. And on, on further review, I think the Dolphins go 3-13 and 13 instead of 5-11. and 11. I think the Dolphins are going to be absolute dog shit. So Pat's 13-3. and three. Bills seven and nine, Jets six and ten, Dolphins three and thirteen. Lock it up. Uh, moving on now to the AFC North. Uh, these are a little bit more complicated. Uh, you look at last year, the Ravens finished on top, but uh, they basically won with a gadget offense, and Lamar Jackson absolutely stinks. He's a horrible passer. He's an incredible runner. He's an incredible athlete, uh, but he absolutely sucks as a passer. And unless he set, unless he has some unprecedented uh, leap forward as a passer, which I don't see happening, I truly think the Ravens are going to hover around seven and nine, eight and eight, um, because the Ravens, for whatever reason, always have an elite defense. So I think the Ravens go eight and eight. Um, I think the Steelers are going to. I think the Steelers, who finished second uh, in the division last year, I think are going to finish. I'll say 10 and 6. I think because they have uh, Big Rape still at quarterback, still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I think that they still have a potent offense even without uh, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. So I think they go 10 and 6. And now we get to the Browns. And no team, I think, has more hype going into this season than the Browns, who finished last year 7, 8, and 1. Um, obviously, everybody knows about all the offseason additions they had. Most notably, they got Odell Beckham. Baker Mayfield is an ascending star quarterback. But you would think that, hey, you know what? The Browns have all this talent, and they did well last year. So they might as well be on the rise, and you might as well pick them to win the AFC North. Well, I would, but there's just one problem. They're the Browns. Okay, they're the Browns. They're kind of like the Jets in that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And I like, I love watching Baker Mayfield play. Um, I think something that's not being talked about nearly enough is their coach. I mean, Freddie Kitchens is the first-time coach. So is coaching going to be a weakness? Who knows? Um, but I'm getting a lot of 2011 Eagles vibes from this team. Uh, I still think that obviously they're going to do well. But I don't know. It's hard. My gut says, you know, people are already pinning them in for like 12 wins or some shit like that. I think 11, 12 wins. I think they finish more around nine wins. I think they go nine and seven. That's what my gut tells me. I say the rate. I say the uh, Browns go nine and seven. I think they just missed the playoffs. That's what my gut tells me. Um, like I said, I get a lot of 2011 Eagles vibes. And it's just there's a lot of drama, and I think there's going to be a lot of drama. And the, the final team in uh, the AFC North is the Bengals, and, I mean, there's really not much to say about the Bengals. The Bengals are always going to be irrelevant. Even when they're good, 
They're not relevant. Uh, they still have Andy Dalton playing quarterback. Uh, they finished last year six and ten. I think this year they finished four and twelve. So I think uh, there's really I don't really have any reason to to uh, think that the Bengals finish. You know, you're like, oh, why why do you think the Bengals will finish four and twelve? Well, I mean, because they're the Bengals, and I think they're going to finish four and twelve. AJ Green, who is by far their best offensive player, is going to be out for what like half the season at least with some with some injury he had uh, in the preseason on a, on the field on a shitty field in the preseason. So yeah, I, th- I don't think the Bengals are going to be very good. So I think they're going to be the bottom feeders. So to recap, I think the Steelers win the division at 10 and 6. I think the Browns fall in second at 9 and 7. I think the Ravens go 8 and 8 and I think the Bengals go 4 and 12. I think the AFC North is probably the best division or at least one of the best divisions in the league right now in terms of talent, in terms of disparity. There's, you could really make an argument for three teams to win it. Um, I think the Steelers win, though, uh, just because I think they have the most proven quarterback. All right, moving on to the AFC South, and obviously this is the division most impacted by Andrew Luck's sudden retirement. We start off uh, last year. Uh, the Texans won the division at 11-5, and uh, and the Texans um, have been wheeling and dealing lately. Uh, the last few days, they traded away their star uh, linebacker, Jadavion Clowney, to Seattle. They also acquired uh, Laramie Tunsell uh, from the Dolphins for some offensive line help. Uh, they still have, you know, stud DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and obviously, they have Deshaun Watson, who is a, who is a very promising quarterback. Uh, I mentioned in previous podcasts that Deshaun Watson is very good. He's incredibly talented, but he takes a lot of sacks. Uh, and you know he's not necessarily a very very stout or, or you know husky guy with the build to withstand a lot of punishment. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how well he can hold up after a, a season where he took over 60 plus sacks. And that's not even talking about all the hits and all the pressures and stuff that he's taken on runs and scrambles and things like that. Um, I think that the Texans, they don't, they don't have a general manager. They, they still don't have a general manager. That, that's insane. And yet, despite all of this, despite all the circus that they've got going on, despite the fact that I don't think Bill O'Brien's a great coach, I think Luck's retirement, uh, I think, seals the fact that the Texans will win the AFC South. I'm going to say they go 10-6. and six. I think they go 10-6. and six. I feel like they still have the best quarterback. They have by far now the best quarterback in the division in Deshaun Watson, and I think that goes a long way. So I say the Texans go 10-6, and six, um, and they still have J.J. Watt. So the defense should still be pretty good. Um, all right, and obviously the, the, the team most impacted by Andrew Luck's retirement is the Colts. Wow, no shit, Barry. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, um, They went 10-6 and six last year. Uh, I think it's safe to say that barring a miracle or barring uh, their opponents dying in plane crashes, they will not do better than that this year. I think they go 4-12. and 12. I think it's going to be very similar to uh, their 2017 season with Jacoby Brissett. Um, I just don't think he's a very good quarterback. I think they go 4-12. and 12. That's what my gut tells me. Uh, you look at uh, the next team, the Tennessee Titans, uh, who are also who also obviously are, are very uh, helped out by Lux retirement. Um, they went nine and seven last year. They missed the playoffs by one game. They lost to the Colts at home in Week 17 last year. Uh, I don't I don't think Mariota, their quarterback, is very good. I I don't have trust in him. 
the Texans are really just irrelevant. They're they're another one of those irrelevant teams. They're probably the most irrelevant team in the NFL. When they go nine and seven, you don't give a shit about it. When they suck, you don't care about it. They really don't have any exciting players. Their quarterback is bland and boring and injury prone and doesn't really do anything. Uh, even everything they do is irrelevant in the big picture. They win. They come back against the Chiefs, and they have this a great comeback in the playoffs against the Chiefs a few years ago, and then they get their ass kicked the next week in New England. Last year, oh, they make a great play against the Eagles, and they end up missing the playoffs anyway, and the Eagles make the playoffs. Like, nothing they do is relevant in the big picture. They beat the Patriots last year. They, they kicked the Patriots' ass last year at home, and the Patriots still won the Super Bowl. So... Nothing the Titans do matters. I think they'll go 7-9, and nine, I think, just because they get to feast on the Colts and the Jaguars. So I think they go 7-9. and nine. Again, I don't think this is a very special team uh, at all, as long as they have Marcus Mariota. They're just a boring, they're a boring team like they always are. They don't inspire any sort of confidence or excitement. And God forbid if Marcus Mariota gets hurt, which is really a, a really good bet, they have to go to Ryan Tannehill, who is, like, he's been... On the break, he's one of been one of the biggest breakthrough prospects for the last five years, and he ends up sucking anyway. So, uh, yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be trash regardless. They're gonna be seven and nine. That's what I think. Uh, and the last team in the AFC South is the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who finished last year at five and eleven. But don't fear, they replaced Blake Bortles with Big Dick Nick. And uh, I think that's an upgrade. I think all joking aside, I don't think Foles is a great quarterback. I don't think he's even really a good quarterback consistently. Uh, But I do think he is an upgrade over Bortles. The problem with Foles is, and this is why I think it's always funny when, when, you know, other teams like Eagles are like, oh, they should have kept Foles over Wentz because Wentz is injury prone. Well, Nick Foles has been in the league for seven years. And he's never started more than 11 games in any season. So we've never seen, we don't know what Nick Foles looks like as the undisputed, you know, 16-game starter. We haven't seen that yet. So I think, although the Jaguars' defense is still great, so I think that'll carry them. I think they go, man, this is tough. I think they go 6-10 and 10, despite having a great defense because I just, again, I still need, we still haven't seen Nick Foles over a full season as the lead guy. Uh, for, I'm talking about like a full 15, 16 games. Uh, we've seen him have these great stretches, uh, but we still haven't seen him as the lead guy. So there's a, it's like, you know, the last time he was seen as the undisputed starter on a team uh, was with the Rams a few years back, and that didn't go very well. So I think the Jaguars go 6-10. and 10. So to recap, I think the Texans win the division at 10-6. and 6. I think the Titans finish at seven and nine. I think the Jaguars go six and ten, and I think the Colts go four and twelve. Uh, and moving on to the AFC West, and uh, wow, uh, this last year the AFC West had two great teams: the Chiefs and the Chargers. Both finished at twelve and four. Uh, uh, I'll start with the Chiefs, obviously, because they won. And I think the Chiefs last year. Last year, the Chiefs. Um, if the Chiefs had even an average defense last year, they would have gone 19-0. I am not shitting you. In they, The Chiefs scored at least 26 points in every game. In every game, they scored at least 26 points. Okay? The league average last year, I think, was some... The league average points per game last year, I think, was something like 24. Like, so... I'm looking at the stats now. The league average 
points per game last year was 23.3. The Chiefs scored at least 26 points in every game they played, and they still went 12-4. and And if you include the playoffs, they went 13-5. and They had an all-time great offense last year, and they had one of the worst defenses in the league. And that's why they fired the defensive coordinator. And obviously the catalyst for this is Patrick Mahomes, who, as I've stated over and over again, has the chance, if he stays healthy, uh, to, I think, be the best quarterback of all time. His potential is ridiculous. Um, and I think as long as they have him, as long as he stays healthy, I think from now on the Chiefs will always be a contender. I mean, Mahomes, to this point in his career, still really hasn't had a bad game. He really hasn't had a bad game. He started, let's see, uh, he started 18 games last year. He has 19 starts under his belt, and he still really hasn't had a bad game in the NFL. It's really insane. How's this for a stat, okay? The Chiefs lost five games last year, and in those five losses, you ready for this? They averaged 36.2 points per game. In their losses, they averaged 36 points a game. Uh, I, I think there's really no place for the Chiefs to go but down, but to regress a little bit, and I think that's what's ha- going to happen to Mahomes. But Mahomes, I'm talking. We're talking. You're talking about regressing from one of the greatest seasons in NFL history. I think like there's no way as great as Mahomes is, you know, you're not going to throw for five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns every season. So I think you could see that res- like resort back a little bit to maybe forty five hundred yards, closer to forty touchdowns, which by the way is still a batshit insanely good season. But I think that it's just it's just how things work. It's the law of averages. I think that uh, the Chiefs' offense is is due to regress, and that defense is still unproven. So I think the Chiefs, I I say they they repeat what they did last year. I think they go twelve and four. I think, but I think the offense will be a little bit worse, and the defense will be a little bit better. So I say the Chiefs go twelve and four, uh, and that leads me to the to the Chargers, who also finished twelve and four last year. Um, what is there to say about the Chargers? Well, every single year, like 70% of their team dies in the preseason before the season even starts. I mean, they've already lost Derwin James, who, uh, is one of the, who last year was a rookie and was one of the best rook defensive rookies, uh, ever really. He was an all pro caliber player as a rookie and they lost him, uh, for probably most of the season, I think, uh, because of an injury in the preseason. So that's going to be a blow to their defense. Uh, they still got Philip Rivers. They still got uh, some cool unis, but the Chargers have just like they have all this talent. They always have a lot of talent, and yet they just you just never really able to place your full confidence in them. Uh, I think they go ten and six. I think they're going to go ten and six because they have a lot of talent, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I think they're going to regress a little bit. I think last year they had we were fortunate. Uh, with some with some lucky bounces like against Pittsburgh and against the Chiefs, um, in order to get twelve in order to get to twelve wins, I think I think they're still obviously going to be a good team. I think they finished ten and six, uh, and they're going to be in contention for a wild card. Uh, that leads me to now the Broncos, who finished last year at six and ten, and really for the last you know three years, ever since uh, they won the Super Bowl, it's be- it's really been the same story with the Broncos. They haven't been able to find a quarterback, and they traded for Joe Flacco. Who you know? I mean, everybody makes all the you know, oh, the elite jokes. He's elite, <laughs> you know. But I mean, reality, he sucks ass. And uh, they drafted a kid, Drew Locke, who didn't really look that good in the preseason and is already injured. So the Broncos are really stuck with Flacco, and Flacco hasn't really shown anything since the 2014 season. 
So uh, I think it's going to be more the same for the Broncos. I think they're going to finish. I think they're going to finish seven and nine, um, just because I think they still have a great home field advantage. I think they'll get to seven wins, uh, and because they still have some great defensive players. Obviously, Von Miller. They got Bradley Chubb, who, who turned out to be a good find, a good pick last year. But uh, as, until they resolve the quarterback situations, um, they're not going to be any threat to anybody, uh, and uh, that leaves. One team, the Oakland Raiders, who, as everybody knows, were on hard knocks, uh, are on hard knocks, and, and the biggest acquisition that they made in the offseason was obviously getting Antonio Brown, who I think will help the offense. They finished last year at 4-12. and uh, I'll just pl- say it right away. I have literally like no faith in John Gruden as a coach. I think he's more of a caricature of a coach, and the one year he won a Super Bowl was basically with Tony Dungy's guys. Uh, he's hailed as an offensive genius, but he hasn't had an above-average offense really since like 2001. His his entire time with the Buccaneers, uh, he never had a good offense, despite being a supposed you know offensive genius. Uh, I think Derek Carr is still he's regressed a lot over the last few years. I think Brown will help. I think, but I think they're going to finish five and eleven again. I really don't have any sort of. I don't have any faith at all in uh, the Raiders, um, and I think uh, I don't have any faith in their coaching staff. And I'm in their quarterback is a checkdown Charlie, who uh, keeps regressing. Um, and I mean, you never know what's going to happen with Antonio Brown. That's just a bombshell that can go off at any time. He's a psychopath. Uh, so despite all of his talent, you never know. I think the losing is going to wear on him, and they're going to finish 5-11. and 11. So to recap, I think the Chiefs, I think it's, it's going to be the same order as it was last year. I see the Chiefs go 12-4, and four, the Chargers go 10-6, and six, the Broncos go 7-9, and nine, and the Raiders go 5-11. and 11. All right, that sums up the AFC. Let's move on now to the NFC, which is the far superior conference. Uh, let's start with the NFC East. Uh, last year, the Dallas Cowboys won. Uh, the the NFC East, which won't happen again. Uh, they finished ten and six. Uh, I think as long as Ezekiel Elliott is holding out, I think it's weird because Ezekiel Elliott is really like you know everybody talks about how running backs aren't important, and there's a lot of validity. There's a lot of validity to that. Um, but you know when it comes to the Cowboys. They have Alex Smith with a built-in tan as their quarterback, a.k.a. Rain Dakota Prescott, who uh, Cowboys fans hype up and act like he's great, but he's really not. He's average at best. Uh, I think he'll get it. He's been exposed without Zeke in the past, and I think as long as Zeke holds out, I think that'll continue to be the case. Um, I think that the Cowboys, I see them finishing 8-8. Eight and eight. I think the Cowboys are rarely ever horrible. They're always either, they always have... Like either a great season and then they choke in the playoffs, um, or they're they're or they're horribly average, and I think that's going to be the case with the Cowboys again this year. I say they finish eight and eight, uh, and it's really annoying. They're the most overrated franchise in the league. I, I'm an Eagles fan, so I despise them. They're the most overrated franchise in the league. They haven't won 
They haven't even played in a conference championship game since Tupac was alive. I mean, think about that shit. It's been, what, 1995 was the last season that they played in a conference championship game? 24 years? That's absolutely batshit insane. And yet they still get, like, five or six primetime games every single year. They're the most overexposed, most overrated franchise. And it's because they have all the dumbass fans. I don't. I just think that, like, they're just so overrated and they haven't done anything in over two and like two and a half decades so you know and their their owner is just like he's a decaying corpse it's disgusting it really is uh moving on to the philadelphia eagles which is my team so i'm gonna try and be not trying not to be as biased as possible but the eagles are very well run they have a shitload of talent i think the biggest key for the eagles is does Carson Wentz stay healthy the last few years? He hasn't been able to, and that's certainly something that, that uh, opposing teams fans like to bring up because they can't really find anything to knock Wentz on on the field because he's really good, so they make fun of his injuries. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be conservative. I think the Eagles win the division. I think they go 11-5. and five. Um, I think that uh, – I think – I just think they're the most well-run organization. They're one of the most well-run teams in the in the league. Uh, Harry Roseman does a great job. I think that they got, you know, Wentz is very, very good if he's able to stay healthy. I think last year they had a few flu- fluky losses, um, and I think if the defense continues to improve, I think they should be good to go. I'm going to be conservative at 11-5, and five, but I wouldn't be shocked if they have uh, another uh, 2017-type year where they go 13-3 or something like that. Uh, moving on to the Redskins, who, boy, the Redskins are they are a mess, they're, which is no surprise under Dan Schneider. They're like the most irrelevant team in uh, the NFC East. Like, really, the, to me, the NFC East is basically the Cowboys, Eagles, and the Giants. And the Redskins have never been have never been relevant. They haven't made a conference championship game since 1991. They're even more... Uh, they're even more... Uh, irrelevant than the Cowboys. The Cowboys have had more recent success than the Redskins in the playoffs. So I think the Redskins, uh, what they're starting, uh, Case Keenum at quarterback, uh, and their backup quarterback is like Dwayne Haskins, who looks like shit in the preseason. I think the Redskins go five and eleven. I, I just don't. I think they suck ass. Uh, let's go to the Giants, and uh, the Giants finished last year five and eleven. Uh, and everybody is already willing, is our, you know, Giants fans are already uh, getting Daniel Jones' Hall of Fame bust for a few nice throws in the preseason. Um, I think that, look, I, I hope the Giants play Eli as long as possible because Eli is dumpster juice. He's garbage. He's been garbage for the last few years. Uh, and I think that, uh, I think eventually at some point, though, at this season, I think the Giants will uh, will put Daniel Jones in because Jones was easily like obviously way better than Eli was in the preseason. So I think Jones will eventually get the nod. And Eli doesn't have that consecutive start streak anymore. That would really make it a tough decision for Pat Shermer. I say the Giants go seven and nine. I think they go seven and nine. That's being I'm being nice. I'm because I'm a friendly guy. I, I say they go seven and nine. So to recap, I say the Eagles go eleven and five. I think the Cowboys go eight and eight. The Giants go seven and nine. The Redskins go five and eleven. Uh, let's go on to the NFC North. Um, and the winner of the NFC North last year was the Chicago Bears. They went 12-4. and four. Uh, And I, I'd like to thank them for uh, helping my Eagles get into the playoffs last year. 
uh, and then the Eagles then proceeded to kick their ass on their home field uh, with a double doink at the very end. Uh, so thank you for that, Chicago. That I really appreciate that. Uh, they went 12-4 and last year, really in spite of their shitty quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, who, by the way, the Bears traded up for in 2017 with Patrick Mahomes still on the board. Um, yeah, I think that I think the Bears had had you know an historically great defense last year. I think that's gonna. I think you know they're just due, they're due to regress a little bit this year. And uh, I think I think Mitch Trubisky is going. I think Mitch Trubisky he's not very good. So I think the Bears are in for a big regression. I say they go seven and nine, really on the back of their defense. This is like Rex Grossman, Kyle Orton years all over again. Um, I, I I honestly think it's illegal for the. Uh, there must be a law somewhere where it's illegal for the Bears to have a good quarterback. Like, the last time the Bears had a quarterback that was considered elite was Sid Luckman, and that was in the 1940s when people thought putting butter on a torn ACL was the way to fix it. I mean, it's just the Bears, it's like they've never they've never had a good quarterback. They've always had great defenses most of the time, but shitty quarterbacks. They, they're always winning in spite of their quarterbacks, and I think it's the same thing this year. Uh, all right, the Vikings finished second in the NFC North last year at 8-7-1. Um, well, I mean, they, they, last year was, they were a disappointing team because in 2017, they went, I think 13 and three, and then they got their ass kicked in the NFC championship game by my Eagles, which was a great memory. Uh, and then they, when they acquired Kirk Cousins, obviously signed him to a big contract. The expectation was a Super Bowl. The defense regressed. There was some poor kicking again. Um, I, I personally, I think Kirk Cousins is better than, than like, he's kind of like a running joke. He seems like people talk about Kirk Cousins like he's Ryan Leaf sometimes. And I don't think Kirk Cousins is great by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think he's horrible either. Like people seem to make him out to be a lot worse than he really is. I still think he's good. Um, Am I necessarily afraid of him? Not really. Like, am I like, oh my God, my team has to play Kirk Cousins this week? No, but I think he's, I think he's like a, a, a decent, he's a decent quarterback and I think he gets blamed a little bit too much for the Vikings' failures last year. I think the Vikings go seven and nine this year. I think they're going to be a solid team. Um, but Kirk Cousins just seems like one of those guys who's always destined to be a quarterback who puts up nice stats, but the winning doesn't follow, or at least you, doesn't win as much as you would expect, considering the stats that he puts up. Uh, here, here's the most interesting team next in the NFC. I believe this year it's going to be the Green Bay Packers. And the interesting thing is. How does Aaron Rodgers, who everybody knows I'm an unabashed Aaron Rodgers stan, how does Aaron Rodgers and new head coach Matt LaFleur, how does how does that work? How is it going to work? Is it, is it going to be successful? Because really the last few years, really since 2015, the Packers offense has basically been, here Aaron, go out and do some magical shit. And, you know, because the, the route combinations, it's like watching a prehistoric offense. Mike McCarthy's finally gone, so there's no more excuse. Oh, McCarthy's holding Rodgers back. This is obviously a big year for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have missed the playoffs the last two years. Um, they went 6-9-1 and one last year. Nice. Um, I think this year, I think Rodgers is going to have a bounce back year. I still don't trust the defense, though. I think that uh, the de- I think the offense will be a lot better. I think that Rodgers will bounce back. Uh, I have faith in Rodgers. I think his talent is just, he's just too talented, I think, to uh, not get better uh, and to not bounce back. So I think, I'm going to be conservative. I think the Packers win the NFC North this year. I think they go 10-6. and six. I think it's going to be very similar to 2016. I think they go 10-6. and six. I think that they have a good offense, 
but I think their defense is going to let them down. That's just my opinion. Um, but I hope, I really hope, just for my sake, that Aaron Rodgers bounces back uh, and has a better year. He was hurt last year. He's been hurt the last few years. Uh, but I really, I think the NFL is a better place when Aaron Rodgers. I know NFC North fans uh, on other NFC North teams won't agree, but uh, I think the NFL is a better place when Aaron Rodgers is, is at his best. And I, I don't think we've seen that the last few years. And I hope this year that uh, we see it again. Uh, the Detroit Lions finished six and ten last year, and uh, I really don't see. I mean, the Lions. What the Lions are like? Kind of like you know, they're they're another irrelevant team, like. Like Matt, like all right. So their quarterback right now is Matthew Stafford, and Matthew Stafford is easily like the best quarterback in Lions history. But that's like saying you're the smartest person in a special ed class because the Lions' quarterback history they don't have much to, to go on. So Lions fans, you know, fevers like like defend Stafford to no end, and yet like what's like what's the biggest game Stafford has won in his career? Against the Patriots last year in Week Three, like nobody is afraid of the Lions. Nobody like I, I don't. I think Matt Stafford is like a slightly above average quarterback, but the Lions never scare anybody because they just they're the Lions. Their head coach Matt Patricia is another you know, Patriot shill who uh, you know benefited from from being with Belichick. Uh, I think the Lions go five and eleven this year. I just don't see them. I, I, again, I just... The Lions, they've won one playoff game since, like, 1957, I believe. Like, they're just... Yeah, I'm not even kidding. One playoff game. I'm, I'm checking it right now. Let's see. Franchise Encyclopedia on Pro Football Reference Playoffs. Uh, yep. They won the NFL championship in 1957. And in that span, that's what? Like, 60-plus years. They've won one playoff game. In over 60 plus years. Okay, they're just, they're, they're the Lions. They're just irrelevant. They're always going to be irrelevant and they stink. Uh, so, yeah, I, I say they finish, they finish uh, 5 and 11. Uh, so, to recap, I say the Packers go 10 and 6. I say Vikings go 9 and 7. Bears 7 and 9. Lions 5 and 11. Let's go now to what is probably the best division in the NFL, the NFC South, in terms, at least it's, it's by far the best division when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, in the NFL, uh, the NFC South. Let's start off with the Saints, who finished last year 13-3. and And uh, as everybody knows, they had a controversial finish to the end of their season last year. Um, I mean, I don't really see, I think, you know, the Saints really are built. They've been great the last few years. Uh, I think uh, their quarterback, Drew Brees, is obviously one of the greatest of all time. And... Uh, can, you know, Sean Payton and Breeze, you know, as long as those two are together, the Saints are going to put up prolific offensive numbers. I don't see any reason for that to change this year, despite the fact that Breeze kind of tailed off a little bit towards the end of last year. Uh, I think the Saints, I think, are going to be an, still a formidable team. I think they go 12-4, and four, uh, and they win the division once again. Uh, the Falcons finished second last year, and I think the Falcons finished 7-9. and nine. Well, the Falcons finished seven and nine last year. I don't think that that's what happened. Uh, the Falcons finished seven and nine. Um, I think they're they're due to do better this year. I think uh, the defense should be a little bit better this year. I hope they had some injuries last year to big defensive players. So I think the Falcons. I think they go ten and six. I think they still have Matt Ryan, who's a great quarterback, even though he's you know uninspiring. They still have you know a lot of great offensive players. Uh, so they should go ten and six. Um, 
But still, like, God damn it. 28 to 3, really? Really? You fucking... Ugh. I still, like, any single time I see the Falcons, that's all I think about. It doesn't matter. Like, that's all I can think about is 28-3. And it's like, they fucking... Because of them, we have to hear people talk about how Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. And, like, just... It's, fuck you, Atlanta. Ugh. Moving on to uh, the Panthers, uh, who finished 7-9 and last year. Um, the, the key for the Panthers is what's going on with Cam Newton is last year the Panthers started off hot and then they completely shit their pants towards the end of the year once Newton got injured. If Cam stays healthy, I think the Panthers should be uh, respectable. So I think they should be respectable. I don't know. Um, but again, that's the big question mark because he has a shoulder because he's, you know, his shoulder's fucked up. Um, I'm going to be... I could be wrong about this, but my gut says they go 8-8. Eight and eight. I think that they still have some, you know, I, I still think, I think Cam as a passer is overrated. Basically, he's Andy Dalton as a passer, but he's, you know, he's a great runner. But I think with Cam's health, uh, just still an uncertainty, I think that they go 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, And then finally, the Buccaneers, who are like the redheaded stepchild of the division, they went five and eleven last year, and uh, I, I think they go five and eleven. I think those no, I think they go six and ten. I'll give them six and ten. Uh, Jameis Winston sucks. He is completely reckless with his balls, and he has horrible decision making. Um, as for him on the field, I think that he uh, is horribly interception prone. He is inconsistent as shit, and he's not very good. So I think the Bucks, you know. The Bucks haven't made the playoffs since 2007, so I think that drought continues. I think they go six and ten. So to recap: Saints go 12 and four, Falcons 10 and six, Panthers eight and eight, Bucks six and ten. And finally, that leaves one division left: the NFC West and your defending NFC champion, Los Angeles Rams, who went 13 and three last year. Now, I want you to say that again: 13 and three. Now, the, the, the second number is really important. Three. You know why it's important? I want you to think hard. I want you to think long and hard about that. Okay? I'll give you a, I'll give you a couple seconds. All right, you ready? The number three is important because that's how many fucking points they put up in the Super Bowl. Three fucking points. Oh, three fucking points. A high-powered offense. 527 points in the regular season. And you put up three fucking points in the Super Bowl. God damn it. Fucking hand the fucking Patriots another ring. Three fucking points. That's all you could do. Jesus Christ. Absolutely embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Despite that, the Rams should still be one of the best teams in the league. I think they go 11-5. and five. Uh, I still think Goff is a product of McVay. Um, but really, three fucking points in the Super Bowl. I'm not even like you know. Everybody knows about Aaron Donald. Everybody knows about all the you know the great players the Rams have. But three fucking points in the Super Bowl. Jesus Christ. We have to hear about how Tom Brady is the second coming of Christ because he scored 13 points in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Thanks a lot. <sighs> Moving on before, and here here's another team that's handed the Patriots the Super Bowl ring: the Seattle Seahawks, who went 10 and six last year. Um, the Seahawks um, are, are, are tricky to rank because their defense is kind of their defense is good, but they've fallen off from the Legion of Boom years, which is to be expected. You know they couldn't keep finishing first in the league every single year, um, defensively at least. Um, 
I think the se- they finished ten and six last year. I say they're going to repeat that. I think they go ten and six again, um, just because Brian Schottenheimer, who's the offensive coordinator, has to, like is a perfect example of nepotism. He has always been a shitty offensive coordinator. He's never. I, I think he's had like one. In, I don't know how many years as an offensive coordinator, he's had like one finish, one top 10 finish in points. You know, I could be wrong, but I'll look it up right now because I like to go after the facts. All right, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, he has 10 years as an offensive coordinator. And two times in those 10 years, his offenses have finished top 10 in points. And they've never, ever once finished top 10 in yards. So... He's he's wasting Russell Wilson, um, but Russell Wilson is a stud, and I think you know he's one. He was a future Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, and uh, I think he'll bail out the Seahawks again. I think they go ten and six for the second year in a row. I think they probably sneak in on a wild card. That leaves uh, the 49ers, who went four and twelve last year, and the 49ers. I mean, this is really like a put up or shut up kind of year for for really both Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, Shanahan, who 28-3, was uh, hired for a few years ago and is considered to be a you know a quarterback guru. And in his defense, he you know, Garoppolo got injured last year early on in the season. He was stuck with, you know, CJ Bethard, who sucks ass, and then uh, you know, Nick Mullins, who quite honestly wasn't horrible. Um, but this 49ers defense is just dog shit. Um, so Garoppolo's back and you know, I tweeted about it, but it's funny, like Andrew Luck retired. Because he was tired of being worn down. You know, he had all this wear and tear on his body. And Jim, like, so he's retired. And then yet Jimmy Garoppolo is seen as, is still seen as like an unknown. He's still talked about like a rookie. And Jimmy Garoppolo is only two years younger than Andrew Luck. So it's funny how they're viewed. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Um, I think the 49ers, I think unless they shore up that defense. I mean, they drafted Nick Bosa second overall, but Nick Bosa's already hurt. Um, so who knows? Uh, I think the 49ers, I think they'll finish seven and nine. Um, we don't, we haven't seen Jimmy Garoppolo as, uh, you know, in a full season as a starter, but I, I don't see the defense making any big leaps, uh, this year. So I think they finished seven and nine. I think, uh, that leaves one team left. The Arizona Cardinals who, uh, hired Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, so before I get into that, uh, they finished three and 13 last year. They had uh, they got outscored by two hundred points last year, uh, which uh, is not good. So they had the worst offense in the league last year. So they decided to hire Cliff Kingsbury, who uh, was the former coach at Texas Tech. He had a losing record in college with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. With Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback in college, he also had Baker Mayfield, like two quarterbacks. One's already a superstar, and one is already might be another superstar. Cliff Kingsbury had those two in college, and he still had a losing record in college. That's who the Cardinals hired. They also drafted Kyler Murray, who is five foot two. Um, he's fun to watch. Given that he's incredibly fun to watch, he's exciting. But uh, you know, I, I call me skeptical. I say they finished five and eleven. Um, yeah, the Cardinals finished five and eleven, and there's really I think I think but at least Kyler Murray's going to be fun to watch. I'll give him that as long as he stays healthy. I mean, again, the guy weighs like ninety pounds, so who knows? So to recap, I say the Rams go eleven and five, Seahawks ten and six, 49, 49ers go seven and nine, and the Cardinals finish five and eleven. All right, that recap that does it for um, all the divisional previews. Um, I think that 
to go back. I I think the playoff preview again. This is subject to change because everybody, you know, we all don't know. We don't know all the you know we don't know what happens. All the injuries and shit that goes on in the season. But I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the NFC. I think that they're going to win the NFC. I think that they have. This is the right. This is the chance. I think it's going to be Eagles versus Saints. I think this is this is what should have been the NFC title uh, a few years back, if not for the Minneapolis miracle. I think it's going to be Eagles versus Saints in the NFC Championship game, and I think the Eagles win at home. I think for the AFC, um, I, I think it's going to be a rematch of the, the AFC Championship last year. I think the except I think the Patriots this year will have home field advantage. So I think the Super Bowl is going to be Patriots versus Eagles. It's going to be a rematch of Super Bowl 52. Again, I think the AFC is just the Andrew Luck retiring really is a big blow. It just really really took out another contender. Again, this this is subject to change with injuries, but I think as it stands right now, I think Super Bowl 54 will be uh Patriots versus Eagles. I think the Patriots will win the AFC Championship game in overtime. Once I think the Chiefs just signed LaShawn McCoy. I think what's going to happen is it'll be 28 to 28. The Chiefs will be driving for the game-winning score, and they'll hand off to LaShawn McCoy. And right before LaShawn McCoy crosses the end zone for the game-winning touchdown late in the fourth quarter, he drops the ball and he runs off and goes to an orgy. The Patriots scoop up the ball. They run it 99 yards back the other way for a touchdown in overtime. I think that I think that's what's going to happen. So I think into the Super Bowl, I think that the Patriots, I hate to say it, but I mean, I think the Patriots are going to win again. I, I think that they have, the Patriots last year, um, they, you know, they should have lost D Ford, but uh, I, I think this year the Patriots have a way easier schedule. I think they're going to have home field advantage, and I just don't see any team going into Foxborough and beating the Patriots. Uh, and I think that, you know, when everybody knows the Patriots have magical bullshit that goes their way most of the time, I think that's what's going to happen again in the Super Bowl. I think uh, the Patriots will win the Super Bowl, unfortunately, over the Eagles. Um, but that's just my prediction. I always have a negative outlook, so that's just what I think is going to happen. Well, that that is the predictions for the NFL. Wow, almost an hour. Holy shit. Well, I also wanted to do something you know, to talk about something besides sports. Oh, by the way, I got suspended again. My account, Doc McCockner, got suspended at around, I think, 144,000 followers. Uh, I don't know why or how it got suspended, but um, for some reason, my backup account, Lover of Troops, was still working, at least for now, uh, and that's almost at like 67,000 followers, so, I mean, it's not all bad, but um, it's disappointing, man. It's disappointing to have to keep restarting shit. I have no idea. It, it really fucking sucks, so hopefully... Um, I just, I, it really fucking blows. It really does. And it's just, I, I love my fans and I keep coming back because of my fans uh, and because I really, truly believe there's, I have a lot of promise uh, and I feel like there's, I haven't even scratched the surface of my potential when it comes to entertainment. Uh, and I hope to be known as more than just a guy who fakes, you know, who fools blue checks and trolls on Twitter, even though that's hilarious, don't get me wrong, but I want to be more than that. And so I hope to expand eventually, maybe get some sponsors, maybe get some more money behind me because I have faith in my talent and my ability. Um, but moving on, I was going to do something just to kind of mix it up a little bit, just to, you know, I'm a horror movie fan and I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I, I'm a big horror movie fan. I love horror movies. 
So I was going to do something where I ranked what I think are the five best horror movie villains. Does that that seems like fun, doesn't it? it seems like a little nice change of pace. Um, I'm not talking about most iconic. Or you know what? I'm not talking about most iconic. I'm not talking about most well known. I'm talking about what I think are my favorite. And um, to be honest with you, most of them you're gonna know most of them anyway. So you know you, you should probably enjoy it. All right. Um, I'm gonna start off with number five uh, of my f- most favorite horror movie villain, and that's gonna be Freddy Krueger. Um, to, to put it to to be honest about it, <coughs> I never really found Freddy to be scary, but I love his. I love the way he looks. I love the aesthetics of how he's a burn victim and shit like that. Uh, he's very entertaining, but I always laugh when people are like, "Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street was so scary." It's like, well, "What are you a pussy? Like, how can you, Freddy? You, you got you know Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees. They don't say anything, uh, and you got other guys like you know like those are the big the big three of, of horror movie villains. Everybody knows are Freddy, Michael, and Jason. And of those three, Freddy talks all the shit. Um, but he's not really scary. He's entertaining, but he's not necessarily scary. But I love watching the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, they're very entertaining. I think that... Um, but I think the reason he's not higher on the list, for me at least, is because he's not really... Like, when I when I, when I I watch a horror movie, I want to be, you know, I want to get I want to get my heart racing, you know what I mean? I want to get, you know, pumped up. I want to get, you know, I want, I want to get thrills. And I never really got that with Freddy, although he was really entertaining. So that's number five. Uh, number four of my favorite uh, horror movie villains is Norman Bates from Psycho, the Psycho series. And this is going to be a little bit of a hot take here, but I think Psycho 2, the one they made in 1983, is better than the original. And usually that doesn't, you know, usually that's not the case, obviously. Usually, you know, the originals, I know a lot of people disagree, but Psycho 2 I think was better than the original. I think that there was more scary parts. I think that uh, the story was really, really cool, very, very gripping. Anybody who sees it, re- you know, knows that Psycho Two was about um, going back to uh, Norman gets released from the mental hospital after like twenty years, uh, and uh, I, I just, I just love the story. Anybody who's seen it knows that uh, there's a lot of thrills there. Um, I just love the I love the Psycho series, even though the last couple of movies weren't very good. But I just love Norman Bates. I loved his character, uh, and I thought it was very well done. Uh, so that's number four. My number three favorite horror movie killer is Jason, and uh, you know Jason is really kind of like he's kind of like a more aggressive version of Michael Myers. He's just like a more hulking. He's a he's a, obviously everybody knows he's a hulking mass maniac. Um, and I think Jason was a lot better in the earlier, I think films two, three, and four before he became immortal, I think were, were when he was at his best because he was, you know, there was a real sense of, oh, wow, like, you know, this guy could be beaten, but he's going to be tough. And I already, I talked about this on, uh, to give a shout out, I, I already did this, I already talked about this on the Dirty Sports podcast uh, a few months back. I think the Golden State Warriors were a lot like Jason in the sense that, when they when the Warriors didn't have Kevin Durant before they got Kevin Durant when it was just Steph Clay and Draymond, they were very very formidable and they were great and that's kind of like what Jason was before he died where he was still he was very very tough to beat but he was still beatable. 
Then once the Warriors added Kevin Durant, the Warriors kind of became like Jason once he was a zombie, once he got resurrected from the dead. There was no stopping him. And, uh, you know, now, I don't know how that analogy works now that Kevin Durant's gone again to, to from the Warriors. So maybe the Warriors are back to being uh, mortal, mortal Jason again. But um, I, I really, I have Jason this high uh, at number three, really because of uh, the earlier films. I think that, you know, the later films in the series really got kind of just almost spoofish. Uh, and, and the fun was kind of taken out of it a little bit once Jason became immortal because there was really no suspense, at least earlier in the series when you knew that he was tough but you could still be beaten. And personally, I just love... I think I think high definition hurts horror movies. I think that... I, I love watching the grainy, like, 80s cameras that you see, like, where, there's, where it looks grainy. I think that always works really well with the horror movies. Um, so I think that's one way in which technology has actually hurt horror films is I like the old grainy visceral look that used to have. Um, my second favorite horror movie villain of all time is Pinhead. Pinhead is just so fucking cool. Jesus. Like I remember the original Hellraiser, um, the original Hellraiser, it's similar to, you know, people, people associate Pinhead with Hellraiser and it's almost similar to Jason with the Friday the 13th series, where when you say Friday the 13th, everybody thinks Hockey Mask Jason. Well, in the original Friday the 13th, everybody, you know, Jason was barely in it until the very end. And it's the same way with Pinhead and Hellraiser. Like, when you say Hellraiser, people think, oh, that's Pinhead. Well, Pinhead didn't show up in the original Hellraiser until the very end. And that, he's just so fucking badass, the way he talks, and he's like... We'll tear your soul apart. He's just such a fucking badass guy. And he just has... Like, he has fucking pins in his head. He's such a fucking badass. Like, he's like... You just know the guy is in constant pain, and he doesn't give a shit. He has... Again, he has, like, 30 pins in his fucking head, and he just doesn't care. And it's just awesome. And I, I, I love the backstory of that series, too. Um, I really feel like... Like, I feel like there's so much untapped potential there. That entire backstory of, like, the Cenobites and, and uh, you know, the, the puzzle box opening it and all the suffering in hell. I just love that type of shit. And I know that's because I'm weird, but I just love that type of shit. Um, but Pinhead, Pinhead is this high because he's just such a fucking badass. Um, but he doesn't compare to my favorite horror movie, horror movie villain of all time. Number one, drum roll, please. Michael Myers. Uh, he has always been my favorite character, maybe not only just in horror, but overall. Uh, the original Halloween is probably my favorite movie of all time. I can watch it over and over again. Uh, it just has the perfect atmosphere. And to put it mildly, Michael Myers, the original Halloween mask, still, like, it's, it's just so unsettling. And the way that he just moves and everything about him. Even in the later movies... When, um, you know, later movies when when it kind of went off the rails a little bit, Michael is still like I just there's something I really love about him. I've always loved about him. I always thought it was really interesting. I thought that the mask was just insanely scary. The original one was. There were a few there in the middle of the series where, like around Halloween four or five, where you know the mask became kind of childish and jokish. But the way that they had Michael in the original. The way they had Michael kind of sneak around and just stay in the shadows, and you would see half of his half of his mask, it just is so fucking awesome. And that's why I found 
Excuse me. That's why, I, really, why I fell in love with horror movies is because of Michael Myers and because of the original Halloween, uh, and the, the new original, you know, the new Halloween that came on. Uh, and luckily for me, you know, it doesn't look like they'll ever stop making uh, Halloween movies. You know, obviously they made they made one last year, and they're making a sequel now. And at the end, you know, at the end of uh, the new Halloween that they made last year, Michael gets trapped in a burning basement, uh, but he escapes. Duh. So uh, who knows what they're going to do with the new one, but I personally don't mind if they keep making Michael Myers movies. I don't care how shitty they are. I will watch them because he's so cool. They could literally make an hour and a half long movie of just Michael Myers, like a tracking shot where he just goes from house to house killing people, and I would fucking pay my hard-earned money to watch that shit. That is so fucking awesome. And that's why, like, that was, to me, the best part of the, of the remake was the scenes where you see Michael kind of just slowly walk into the house and just beat the shit out of the woman with a hammer, and then he goes next door and he stabs a woman in the throat. Now, I don't condone violence against women, but fictionally, that was really cool. Um, and that there you have it. Uh, number five, again, to recap my favorite horror movie killers, uh, you got Freddy, you got Norman Bates, you got Jason, you got Pinhead, and then you got Michael. Well, folks, that should do it for this podcast. Uh, this is the longest podcast that I've ever done, over an hour. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and I hope in the future to be able to get these out more frequently. Hope maybe a sponsor, wink, wink, will be able to, would be willing to shell up some money for me. Maybe some if you're a guest, if you're a celebrity, if you're listening to this, I'm desperate, baby. I'll like just come on. I'll I'll be welcome you. If you're a celebrity, listen to this. Hey, come on, come on, come on the show. I'd love to have you. I know that sounds desperate, but I don't care. I need the money, okay? I need the money right now. Okay. Stay classy and respect the truth.